All right, happy Mother's Day. So there was this elderly lady, and she went to get on a bus. The bus was very crowded. All the seats were taken, and she looked at the young lady who was sitting in one of the front seats. She says, if you knew what I had, you would give me your seat. So the young lady got up and uh, let her sit down. She sat down. And she had a magazine, so the elderly lady said, now, if you knew what I had, you would give me your magazine. And so she gave her the magazine, and the lady began fanning herself. And a short while later, the elderly lady approached the bus driver and said, I need to get off at, at this coming block. And he said, well, you're going to have to wait until our next bus stop. She said, well, if you knew what I had, you would let me get off at this next block. So he pulled over to the side, and he opened the doors to let her out. But he said, as she was leaving, he said, ma'am, I, I just have to ask you, what is it that you have? And she answered, chutzpah, chutzpah. Now, that's not a belly laugh. It's kind of a groaner. But it does set up my message for today because I want to talk about holy chutzpah. I don't know if it's chutzpah or chutzpah. I'm going to say chutzpah. It's actually, it's a Hebrew word. It comes from a Hebrew word. Now, it's post-biblical. You won't find it in the Bible. But it's a Hebrew word. If you never heard it before or know what it means, some of the synonyms include audacity, guts, nerve, boldness, and gall. Hutzpah. Now, we're not going to find that in a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We won't find it in a list of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But nevertheless, it's a valuable life skill. And it appears to be appreciated and rewarded by God, as we shall see. And our example this morning of holy chutzpah, it comes from a mother, and her experience is recorded in the gospel. So happy Mother's Day. A mother is our example today. I'm going to say four things about holy chutzpah. Number one, holy chutzpah is proactive with problems. Proactive when it comes to problems. We're in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Jesus withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman came from that region. She came out. She began to cry out saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Okay, talk about problems. And this woman has three strikes against her right off the bat. Number one, she's a woman. And I don't mean that to sound misogynistic, and I hope it doesn't, but I just want to acknowledge she was a woman in a time and at a place where it was a disadvantage to be a woman. Now, now, because really of the effects of Christianity over the centuries, women have achieved a very elevated status in Western countries, but that influence had not been felt yet at her time. So she was a woman. Not only was she a woman, she was a Canaanite woman. She wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't a Jew. She was a Canaanite. Now, Jesus sometimes ministered to non-Jewish people, but it was pretty rare. He was very focused. He had a program. He was sent to the Jews. It wouldn't be about until about 10 years after Jesus' public ministry that Christianity exploded into non-Jewish populations, what we would call Gentile populations. Okay, so she's a woman, she's a Canaanite woman, and thirdly, third strike, she has a demon-possessed daughter. Now, some of us may have felt like, you know, in the past we had a devil child, but she really did have a, a devil child, a demon-possessed woman. So she's, she has a lot of problems in her life. None of it's fair, right? None of it's just, it's all unfair, it's not something she did, and most of it wasn't anything she could do about. She couldn't do anything about being a woman, she couldn't do anything about being a Canaanite, but she could do something 
about having a demon-possessed child. And when she hears of a Jewish healer who's coming close to her neighborhood, she seeks him out and seeks for help. She's proactive with her problems. That doesn't always happen. There's two ways to respond to problems. Problems sometimes paralyze us or problems can propel us so that we lean into God instead of moving away from God. Jesus said in Luke 4, 27, many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. So Jesus is talking about centuries before in the Old Testament times, many people had leprosy. That wasn't fair. That wasn't just, just a random disease, but not everyone was healed. The one who was healed was Naaman. He wasn't, again, an Israelite, a Jew. He was a Syrian, but he picked up, he went to Israel, he sought out the prophet, the Jewish prophet, Elisha. He's the one who got help with his problem because he was proactive. Now, we've all experienced injustice. Ever since sin entered the world, since Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, injustice, unfairness is woven into the fabric of our existence. Sometimes when our kids were small and we would discipline them, they'd push back a little bit. That's not fair. Hey moms, any moms in here ever hear that from your kids? That's not fair. So yeah, I give you a nice theological response to that. This is what we like to say. That's right. It's not fair, but life's not fair. So we try to work a little injustice into our family. So you'll be prepared for life when you get older. Here are some of the strikes that we may have experienced, some of the unfairness we might have experienced in life. I've written these down just to have a, a, a broad coverage. We may have been born with physical disadvantages, raised in a dysfunctional family, cheated in a job, jilted by a fiance. We may have gender dysphoria. Maybe we're same-sex attracted. We might be opposite-sex attracted, but the opposite sex is not attracted to us. We may be divorced or widowed. We may be grief-stricken by premature death. We may have an addiction. We may have been abused or seriously injured in an accident due to someone else's negligence. We may have been disillusioned by a hypocrite in the church. We may have been pressured or deceived into aborting a baby. We may have an unplanned pregnancy and feel that pressure right now. None of those things are fair. None of those things are necessarily our fault. But nevertheless, and I'm not minimizing the pain of any of those situations. Pain is very real. But there are two ways of responding with our problems. One's to be proactive and the other is to be paralyzed. James Clear writes, Today might be the best chance you have to take action. The longer you wait, the more deeply embedded you get in your current lifestyle. Your habits solidify. Your beliefs harden. You get comfortable. It'll never be easy. But it may also never be easier than it is right now. Hutzpah is proactive. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, some of those church members, those Christians, were slaves. They were Christians, but they were owned by other people, and they were slaves. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 7, 21. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let that trouble you. You know, if it's something you can't change. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. So there's some things we can't change. All right, you live with that. Some things we can. So be proactive. God helping us, we might be able to change those. What's the serenity prayer? Somebody here may know the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference. 
Well, the courage to change the things I can is chutzpah. That's what I mean by chutzpah. All right, holy chutzpah is proactive with problems. That's number one. Second thing I want to say about the chutzpah, it is undaunted by tests. Undaunted by tests. As we continue, verse 23 through 27. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Okay, so not only does she have three strikes against her, she has these problems, but when she reaches out to Jesus for help, she gets smacked down. Look at the obstacles that Jesus tosses up. First of all, he ignores her, totally ignores her, doesn't even answer her. That's the first response. Have any of you ever been ignored by someone? Maybe your spouse, if you're married? Me neither. But I hear that can be very frustrating. He ignores her. And then you got the disciples who are trying to just push her away. Jesus, get rid of this woman. She's such a pain. She keeps asking for mercy and everything. Just send her away. And then when Jesus finally does answer the woman, he says, sorry, I can't help you. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, she's not a lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's a lost sheep of the house of Canaan. She's a Canaanite. She's In other words, she's the wrong race. Sorry, I can't help you. You're the wrong race. Talk about racial injustice. And then, but she she bows down, she worships him. Please have mercy on me. It's heartbreaking. And then Jesus' next response, he adds insult to injury. He refuses her again. And he says, it's not right to take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. The dogs. Now, You might not have a Bible college degree like I do, but maybe you can figure out in that analogy, who are the children and who are the dogs? The children are the Jews, the Israelites. Can't take the bread from the Israelites over here and give it to the dogs. That's the Canaanites in general and this woman in particular. Kind of referring to her as a dog. Now, if you read the commentaries on this, most of the commentators will rush to soften that a little bit. Sounds pretty harsh. And so you will read that the word Jesus uses here in the original language for dog, it's not the word for a mongrel, a street dog, like a pack of dogs out in the street. It's more the word for like your little pet dog that you might have in your home. That's a little better, right? It's not so bad. Although, it's still bad. I mean, try this. Men, try, try this with your wife. When you go home today, honey, you know, you're so cute. You just remind me of our our little miniature poodle, Fifi. Or you remind me of our dachshund. You remind me of our pit bull. See how well that goes over. Somebody's going to be in the doghouse. So what's going on with Jesus here? What? Is he just having a bad day? Or is he a racist? Or does he just not care? What in the world is going on? Well, that doesn't sound, none of that sounds like Jesus, does it? That's not very Christ-like. So I think probably the best explanation is that Jesus 
is testing her. Right? Jesus is testing her. Now, does God test us? Yeah, God tests us. I'll give you a couple of examples. Probably the most well-known example from the Old Testament is Abraham and Isaac. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. If you know the story, that's when God came to Abraham, says, take your son, your only son by Sarah, your beloved son, sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. That was the test. He's going to sacrifice his son. Takes him to Mount Moriah. God stops him at the last minute and supplies a ram as a substitute. But that, that, was, the, that was a test. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? He's one of 12 brothers. Joseph in his technicolor dream coat. He had that great robe. His brothers were jealous. And so they sold Joseph to slave traders. That's unjust. That's not fair. And then he gets sold as a slave to Potiphar's household. Now he's a slave. That's not right. And then he's framed by Potiphar's wife for a sexual crime that he didn't commit. Goes to prison. None of that's fair. Now, his story has a happy ending. But listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 105, 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. These were tests that Joseph experienced. And today's one-year Bible reading. That's where I do my devotions, and some of you do as well. You've got the account of the feeding of the 5,000. See, there's 5,000 people. Well, 10,000 if you count you know, wives and children, and they've, they've got to feed them. And they only have the, the five loaves and the three, the three fish. And so you've got uh, Jesus. He asks Philip, John 5, 6, 5, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And John records, he asked this only to test him. The only reason the question's out, Jesus knows the answer and he's got the solution to the problem, but he still lays it in Philip's lap only as a test, just to test him. Yeah, God, God tests us. Why? Why, are we, why would God test us? Because that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Our faith is like a muscle in order... For the muscle to grow, there has to be some resistance. There has to be a test. It has to be stretched. James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Our faith is only as tough as our life demands it to be. Easy life, weak faith. Got some obstacles in life, tougher faith. Which, which road are we on, by the way? Are we on that nice, wide, easy road of life? No. Jesus said that's the road that leads to destruction. So we're going through the narrow gate. We're on that difficult road. I'm sorry. Yeah, that leads to destruction. The narrow gate, the difficult road that we're on is the one that leads to life. I was, I was thinking about the Navy SEAL Museum down in Fort Pierce. You ever been to there? You ever seen the obstacle course that they have for Navy SEALs? SEALs are physically the toughest of the tough. They've got the toughest obstacle course. Why is God testing us? He wants us to persevere to the end. Mark chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus said, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, but they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems. The message is crowded out, crowded out by the worries of this life. So you got a problem right now. You have a challenge right now. Maybe more than one. I do too. Everybody does. That's the nature of life. Does that mean that God created that problem? That he orchestrated that problem? The problem that we have originated with God? Hardly. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Some problems may originate with God. Some originate with 
just being living in a fallen world, and some was Satan. You take this woman who's come to Jesus, this Canaanite woman, her problem was a demon-possessed child. That problem originated with Satan. But Jesus reframes that into a test whereby she can grow and learn to lean into God. So chutzpah, holy chutzpah, is not put off by tests. I'll take it even, let's take it one step further. Holy chutzpah crushes the test. Holy chutzpah crushes the test. Verse 27, so let's get to her response. So Jesus has thrown out four obstacles. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now, this is the answer that elevates her chutzpah to the next level. Guinness World Book of Records chutzpah. This is an epic answer. I want to break it down. Let's say four things about her answer. Number one, it's a humble answer. Even though we may be bold and audacious with God, even though we may be expressing holy husband, doesn't mean we're not humble. She refused to be put off by this reference to her as a dog. She's still humble, humbly coming before him. James says, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Secondly, it is a confident response. It's confident. There's something about Jesus. As they're having this interaction, maybe it's the twinkle in his eye as he talks to her, but she just seems to have the feeling that he wants to help her. In spite of the appearances, she believes he wants to help her, which he does. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Hey, we may be experiencing something pretty tough in our lives, or we have in the past, or we might in the future. When that happens, remember this. In spite of what appearances may seem to communicate, He cares for you. God wants to help. Saying four things here about a response. The third thing is, it's not only confident, it's bold. When she says this, even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from their master's table, that's bold. She's basically saying, hey, I may be a dog, but every dog has his day. She's actually, she's, she's giving as good as she gets. There, there's, it's a word play here. She's a little bit of teasing back and forth with Jesus. Absolutely bold in her response. Even though we're humble, we come to God in a bold way. Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. But the fourth thing, and I think this is, this is the one that stands out the most, is her persistence. She's absolutely unstoppable. She comes to Jesus and asks for help, he ignores her. She keeps asking. Disciples try to get rid of her. She keeps asking. He refuses. She keeps asking. He refuses again and insults her. And she simply finds another way to ask him. She's absolutely unstoppable. This is a, this is a prayer guideline here. Unstoppable in her asking. Luke 18 verse 2 and following. Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. He says, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. 
but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Now, that's a parable, a fictional story, but I got to believe this Canaanite woman was the inspiration for the widow in that parable. She just kept on asking. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus says, keep on asking. Just keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Holy chutzpah. Don't be paralyzed by problems. Be proactive. Take those problems to God. Lean into God. Don't be put off by the tests. Crush the tests. I'm going to say one more thing about this. Holy chutzpah is appreciated and rewarded by God. It's appreciated and rewarded. So here comes Jesus after she gives that answer. Verse 28. He says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Dear woman, now the original word there is gune. It is the, it's the word, that, a term of endearment, same word that Jesus uses to refer to his mother when he's interacting with his mother. Dear woman, dear woman. It's almost as if right here, after she responds in such great faith, that Jesus takes the mask off. He lets her see. He was just testing her. The mask comes off. Dear woman. I love you. I'm going to help you. It reminds me in the Old Testament, we mentioned Joseph, and he was sold into slavery. Of course, when he was released, he, he winds up second in command over all of Egypt, just second to Pharaoh. His brothers who had sold him into slavery wind up coming before him to beg for bread, but they didn't recognize him because he walked like an Egyptian. He looked like an Egyptian. So they didn't recognize him, and he tested them for a while. But then finally, he took the mask off, and he revealed himself. And he hugged them and cried with them and loved on them. He just revealed his heart. And here Jesus reveals his heart. I was just testing you, dear woman. Your faith is great. Jesus only said that about two people in all the four Gospels. He only, to two people, he said, your faith is great. And this woman was one of them. And she was not an Israelite. She was a Canaanite. The other one, anybody know who the other one was? A Roman centurion. The Roman centurion who wanted healing for his servant. And Jesus said, your faith is great. And he was not an Israelite either interestingly enough. God loves us no matter what. He loves us whether we have chutzpah or not. He loves us whether we have faith or not. He loves us whether we're righteous or sinful. He cannot love us anymore. Whether we're good or bad, he loves us. But if we want to please God, we want to please God, we want to show some faith, have some holy chutzpah. And God rewards that. Your daughter is healed. Hey, let me um, wrap up here and just read you a little bit about Eddie Rickenbacker. In October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was lost at sea. Captain Eddie's mission had been to deliver a message to General MacArthur, who was headquartered in New Guinea. Rickenbacker was given a B-17 and a hand-picked crew to take him there. But somewhere over the South Pacific, the flying fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. The B-17 stayed afloat just long enough for all aboard to get out, leaving eight men on three rafts. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable. That was starvation. Eight days out, their rations were gone or destroyed by salt water. 
They prayed and they prayed for deliverance. It would take a miracle to sustain them, and a miracle happened. In Captain Eddie's own words, here's what he says, quote, Pilot William Cherry read the service that afternoon, and we finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep, some out, keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Something landed on my head. I knew that it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. Everyone else knew too. No one said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at the gull. The gull meant food if I could catch it. Well, Captain Eddie caught the seagull on his head. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for, as bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained, their hopes renewed, because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. I'm not saying Jesus is going to answer every single prayer that we have like this Canaanite woman and give us exactly what we ask for in the way that we ask for it. I mean, sometimes that happens. But he always, always hears the prayer and intervenes, even if it's working in the backstream. And we may see the answer somewhere down the road, or maybe we'll receive an answer and a reward in the next life. James 1.12 reads, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, today, we commit ourselves to persevere. We want to be like this Canaanite woman that we're reading about today in the sense that we have boldness with you. We have confidence in you, that we're leaning into you right now in the challenges that we're facing right here, right now. We're leaning into you and trusting you to come through for us as you always seem to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.